Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falconstein from Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, hello, people of the universe. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hey. Now, we're going to be talking about the sequel to Damien Giselle's 2018 film, First Man, First Cow, the new film from Kelly Reichardt, later in the program. It is not a sequel, but that would make an amazing cinematic universe. But first things first, we want to talk about news of the week and what has been happening. The Geelong Pride Film Festival is online, as the Spanish Film Festival is now screening at Palace Cinemas around the country. The Sydney Australian Silent Film Festival is happening on Sunday and Kino Sydney, our open mic film night, is having the next event on Tuesday and you can still get your flicks in. Before we... Um, the day after that, there's a new open screen film night happening at the Randwick Ritz, actually, on the Wednesday the 12th. Yes, you have to get your DCPs in by Friday. Yeah. So um, open Sh- mic... Just short notice, if you've got a short film you want to see projected on the big screen, there you go. Meet some filmmakers. It's a good initiative. Glad they're running it. Uh, before we get into First Cow, though, we want to touch... We recorded our last week Oscars wrap just after the Oscars air, and it went to night a, couple, uh, a couple of nights later. And since then, a lot of new things have come to light. So just a couple of things we want to touch on that we missed in our very immediate post-recording. First, following on from our shock and dismay and some, some hilarity at the handling of the final oh, installment man. of the Oscars. We're it, talking, of course, about um, them thinking that it would, of course, go to Chadwick Boseman and the award going to Anthony Hopkins and have no idea what to do about it. It was just such an anticlimax. It was the biggest stuff up since the Moonlight thing, but at least that had the spectacle of a bunch of Hollywood people gasping and not knowing what to do. This was just kind of this, this like a balloon random guy the saying, randomly let out of it. Uh, yeah, we're done now. Thanks for the Oscars. Yeah, um, but Whoops. just the reason we bring it up, just to note, is that apparently it has come to light that Hopkins was asked, implored the Academy to allow him to zoom in and not be an 83 year old who, in the middle of a pandemic, had to travel to one of the hubs in London or Dublin. They refused, and for a place that at the beginning of the ceremony touted how great they were for COVID safety, shame on them. The hypocrisy is pretty astounding. That's true. They were would only have allowed Hopkins to zoom in if he had been at the BAFTA. Uh, theatre screening in London. Um, otherwise, they refuse to do any, any, you know, because I guess that's considered not being in person. And for, um, for some reason, they want to maintain the old tradition of you have to be there in person to give your acceptance speech. But come on, guys, it's a pandemic and you're already Zooming people in internationally anyway, so... You know what? I, I'm glad that at least the Oscars are keeping up with this inflexibility of the workplace and taking it to the next level, even in the pandemic. So, you know, that's grad, you know. So, good on you, Oscars. And it wasn't, it, there was a consistency to the approach. Certainly the costume design winner um, wasn't allowed to zoom in. But, hey, come on, in the world we're living in and for all the messages you're touting, let, just let it happen. And they screwed up and I don't think something like this will happen again. Hopefully not, at least. Oh, there's no way they're going to take a risk like that. It's just so funny how transparent it was. Like that gambit could not have worked with anyone winning but Chadwick Boseman. I mean, well, if some of the other winners had won, at least you would have had a speech, but (laughs) (laughs) he he was fast asleep. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, The other thing, just one of the two things just to note, it's a big, people love covering the Oscars and it's a big thing for journalists to go there. If you're a journalist, you're always going to be pretty top in your game covering entertainment to get to the Oscars. The types of questions they were asking people, someone mistook Oscar winner Daniel Kalu. Oh, that's so funny. But 
they, they <laughs> mistook him for someone from One Night in Miami, right? I haven't yeah, seen that, yeah. so I don't know who. But he, he just had this shocked look and said, "Ask the question again." <laughs> uh, well, elegantly handled. Did they say. say what was it like to be directed by Regina King or something like that? Uh, something like that, yeah. But yeah. then um, the other shocking question was um, directed at the Best Supporting Actress winner who was asked what her producer Brad Pitt smelt like. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, she, that was... she had a great response, which is, you know, I didn't smell him. I'm not a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so um, lift your game. But, uh, but it's okay. I mean, the biggest revelation, though, was by Glenn Close herself because uh, our other Glenn, a.k.a. Glenn from the studio, our friend Glenn, was thinking that clearly that was not scripted. Well, and, uh, okay. no, uh, no, actually, no. We covered this last week. That was not <laughs> what Glenn was thinking at all. Glenn thought it was scripted. It was very clearly staged. I said this. Well, I'm on record of saying this. What are you talking about, Barat? Yeah, but you changed what you said from when, uh, <laughs> yeah, when we yeah. showed you down <laughs> off yeah, air beforehand <laughs> and, and to a more measured. Actually, <laughs> actually, it's probably scripted. When before you were like, they're saying it's scripted. How can that be? And I was like, dude, what the hell? And you're like, no, me, I want it not to be. I'm going to go on record saying what the actual conversation was. The conversation was that I couldn't believe they got someone on the record. My word for word, I couldn't believe they got someone on the record saying it was scripted. Okay, this, this I know is, that, but this, this is it, the only fight beforehand. Yes, we happening. were saying like, you know, how can they know that? You know, like how could it be? And I how was like, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they got someone on the record. How could how could they establish it? Actually, reporting on it, I believe it, but that they, they could establish it concretely so as to give, give it a source, legitimize it. Yeah, I was surprised. No, Glenn, it's more reasonable that Glenn Close knows specific details about the bot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, than the fact yeah, that yeah. this was a scripted thing. I agree. And as a Glenn, I can tell you, no Glens know what the song. <laughs> was prior to the last Oscar ceremony. Yeah. So, yeah, but, there, <laughs> okay. uh, that, but that wasn't the third point I was going to raise. The, this um, was the fight of the week, by the way, guys. This yeah, is yeah, out yeah. Of the this way. is the real, the real film fight. Yeah. yeah I, 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 look, before we recorded, I was like, oh, never mind. I don't know. If this is just getting petty to, you know, like, no, 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 no. You said this thing. <laughs> but it's true. You did. You did. I mean, <laughs> I, I've got, I've got <laughs> a record word for it, what I actually said. Do you want to, tell, you want to qualify what I actually said? Tell me. Put words in my mouth. Sure. Um, I can't remember what you said, but I remember saying, dude, if you think Glenn Close knew the, uh, about the butt, you're an easy mark or something like that. I agree with that. No, no, I, was... I think, Chris, you brought up the fact that someone from the LA Times was there to verify the fact that Glenn Close was in on it. And then Glenn was like, what? Yeah, How that is actually, that you're possible? right. Actually, you're How right. How is that even possible? You know, yeah, of course, she, that. she's a better actress than that. Of course, she wouldn't be in on it. She wouldn't do that. How can anyone verify this? Again, I have to restate this. My comment and explanation was to that someone could actually get it on the record. I've clarified this. I don't know what else to say on this. Wow, really? really? The, lawyer, the lawyer returns. He's always got a, got a, a response. <laughs> you guys be the judge. And the Oscar goes to... <laughs> so, so, moving on. Um, and the, actually, the, the really big news of the day... Go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, that um, DiCaprio, we commented a few weeks ago when we covered another round that they're going to do an American remake with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, We're ha- it's not- actually Leo it's DiCaprio. Actually, I, I was Le- a little surprised. Actually, he's producing it, but you can tell he's thinking this is my next Wolf of Wall Street, right? It, you can totally see it now. I get wild drunken antics meets hot, you know, but here's my serious actor face for the heartfelt drama bits. But it's bits. like the tone is so off. It's, it's such a Danish film it's going to be hard to translate it to an american audience which looks down upon binge drinking in that way 
but culturally. Then, but then if they loosely adapt it and make it relevant to American context, I could see this being very interesting. Do I have faith they will do that? Not necessarily, I'm not, but I can hold out some hope. I'm not sure that the attitude towards binge drinking is that different across from America to uh, Denmark, as you're suggesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I, I think would say I, it's both celebrated and looked down upon, and probably in both contexts. I know, but but think the, about some of the American beer runs of comparable to the crazy antics in another round. But the, but the problem is, uh, the American version of it would make it more frat housey and you know, kind of lamp uh, national lampoon we'll sensibility. See. I, I mean, you know, maybe they'll get Thomas Vinterberg to make the American remake if I, he'd agree to it. I, I doubt I, he would. I, I don't think he'll do it. I, I don't think, think he would either. Yeah. But then at the same time. Has there ever been a best foreign Oscar winner who's gone on to direct an American remake of their film? Um, there have been a few good directors who've made American remakes, but I'm not sure if... Uh, no, Sebastian Lilio didn't win for Gloria, though, did he? No, he won for... He won um, for A Fantastic Woman. Yes. But he directed the remake of Gloria as well as the original. Um, what? But then, as we discussed earlier in the year so... On a more fundamental level, this is a good teacher film, and I'm, I think we're in sorely need of a non-generic American good teacher film. I liked Elements of Soul, but I think it veered too close to um, a lot of the films we've otherwise seen. I would like something that's empathetic and creative in the way Another Round was in the US. I don't mind them taking the strands of a good movie and adapting something, making something new. I just hope it is that rather than a shot-for-shot remake, which it could very well be. There's definitely potential to tell this story. I mean, it's not the the most original story anyway. It's you know, it's we've seen variants of this kind of story before. What made another round stand out were the, the kind of more personal touches in the telling of it and the and in the acting. So I'm sure a good film can be made, but we'll see if that comes to pass. Look, I, I would have been happy if Mads Mikkelsen was in the remake as well. Oh I yeah, definitely would, would be great. You know, the the big thing about the Oscars while we're talking about them. Um, is the revelation of the ratings 9.8 million or something like that, which is by far the, the lowest, lowest rated yeah. ever. Oh, and I there's been a lot of yeah, there's been a lot of hand wringing about the end of the Oscars or do, do people care anymore? Well, because nobody knew about it. Yeah, I mean, we remember, remember it when on. we came out of the studio and we just uh, we spoke to people. someone. And, and they're like, oh, they like, well, when are the Oscars? Like, oh, it already happened. And they were very surprised. A lot of people had that response, actually, um, <laughs> I noticed. Yeah. I think... Um, it's a, it's a bunch of things, right? Like, um, it, it was a pandemic year, so there weren't many film releases. So some of the films that have been nominated are, I would say, some of the least popular ever in terms of how many eyeballs have, have actually registered them. Um, on top of that, the Oscars are declining anyway because, in general, live TV will never be able to capture as many people as it used to because it's a fragmented monoculture now. People are watching streaming, etc. And once you move away from the context where everyone's watching TV, the fact that the Oscars are on doesn't really matter so much. But I think it's more than that. You... Last time, I had, we used to have Oscar parties every year. I haven't had one in nine years. And the reason for that is the suspense is gone when it's part and parcel. You know that because news media is so saturated, you can't stay offline. Everyone's going to know immediately you know what one, one best picture. I'll never forget um, being disappointed by the telecast in 06 when I stayed off. I, I came back from school. I stayed off the press all day and I watched the Channel 9 broadcast and God damn it, the news... Oh yeah, they um, spoiled it. Spoiled that Scorsese had won right before that. the Best Director And Oscar. they'd held off on putting it in all the news bulletins all night 
Yeah. Like I think they, someone, I think miscalculated what time the Oscars would end and when it would be okay to start putting Oscars yeah. news in. So things like this, it's yeah. just no point, especially where in Australia, where it's going to be morning whenever they screen it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, 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 it's interesting before when you were saying like, you know, you know, what's won immediately. I thought you were going to say something else, which is, you know, what's going to win. And I think that's also because of the media saturation that we have now that we didn't used to have, but in a different way because of the internet. Now there's so much focus on the Oscars narrative. If you follow the film scene online, you know, we're in touch with the critics awards, et cetera. And you yeah, like who's that, won what, who's won the BAFTAs, who's won exactly, the and, Guild awards and who's going to, yeah. and you can feel it just from what people are discussing, what the narrative is and which way the tide is going. And, and pretty much everyone knows Who's going to win before the, the, the Oscars least, night? The least amount Ex of surprises this year, definitely. Right. Except for the Academy producers. The best actor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who are the only ones left surprised. They, they should have got on Reddit. The, the other thing, this has been said by many people many times before, but um, Hollywood is not producing mid-budget dramas anymore. Mid-budget dramas with mid-budget ad campaigns could still attract a large amount of people if you heard the movie was good. Um, but, you know, they're not interested in producing anything with artistic worth, which the Academy likes to consider themselves to be about. Um, you know, essentially we're only getting micro-budgets and uh, so movies like Minari that, are, you know, cost a few million dollars. Um, I, I, I and, know. The, and the big blockbusters, right? They've abandoned trying to make a movie like, like L.A. Confidential, you know, that... Um, is designed to make some money and win and win some awards and you know hopefully has some artistic credibility behind it so if the studios don't make films like that then you know the oscars have to cater to a bunch of films that the general audience has never heard of much less you know give, being given the chance to care about i think you've got a point there because uh, i remember we loved nomadland and you know it's a great film it's uh, not no you know two bits about it but I had a chat with a lot of people and they found it very slow and and just not interesting enough, you know. And, and, it's, and it's a point for that where you kind of feel like it, there there is maybe a midpoint between completely, you know, A24 style arty movies and indie movies, which are great, catered to a certain niche audience. That's what the Oscars used to be all about. And then the, the bigger kind of tentpole movies, which will definitely get seats, uh, bumps on seats, because people are going to watch it regardless because they have a marketing campaign going for them. What is the kind of balance between the two? And that's the kind of uh, movie that might develop based on word of mouth. That doesn't happen mm. nearly as much enough. You know, There aren't films that you go in blind, not expecting it to be good or bad, and that you come out recommending it to other people saying, Go watch this film. Well, theoretically, like Nomadland it. is still that. I think it's more that they have no films that actually have an advertising campaign, which you need these days to actually attract people um, that are designed to be good, you know, speaking broadly <laughs> anymore. Yeah. So I, I guess it's a pretty good segue to what we're talking about next, which is the new Kelly Rockhart film, First Cow. You're listening to Film Fight Club on 2SCR with Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans and Bharat Nehru. First Cow is in cinemas now. It is in 4-3 ratio and, and apparently reportedly inspired Zack Snyder to make another film in 4-3 ratio yeah. quite recently. Cool. And he apparently was a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's starring John Magaro. I, I, I hope Snyder becomes the new Mullock or Lynch and we find ways to mention him on every episode from now on. <laughs> anyway. The, the Snyderverse lives. If the Las Vegas film is good, then sure, why not? 
Yeah, it yeah. looks good. It does. Yeah. So it's starring John McGarry from The Big Short, as well as Orion Lee and Toby Jones. It is set in the US frontier. It is a, about two friends who meet, um, played by McGarry and Lee, who share have affinity for where they live, but also wanting to make baked goods, which leads them into um, an encounter with the head honcho in the area, played by Toby Jones. Um, I What do we think? Probably speaking. I liked it, but I felt like it was too restrained to be as impactful as I would have liked it to have been. Uh, I, I thought, okay, this this is, it's it's very hard to knock this film down because it's a good film. It is good. I, I, I do recommend it. it. But the problem is it's not interesting enough dramatically and it doesn't really surprise you in any, I knew what yeah. was going to happen in the first 10 minutes and it hit all the beats that is expected to hit. And in it's my, a nice warm, fuzzy film yeah. because of that, but it doesn't do much more. And that was disappointing. I feel it didn't, I don't quite agree because while I feel it followed an indie template, it followed an indie template within a very distinct circumstance. I think Reichardt is very effective in situating us in this world. And there's a huge emphasis in the story on telling stories that we wouldn't otherwise hear or be familiar with. So there's an environment we're not overly uh, familiar with in film. I liked the humor in it. I liked the use of color and I liked a lot more. Okay. I, I wrote in my notebook, foregone conclusions. I, I'm totally with you. You notice um, what the story's doing um, and you recognize the parable about capitalism that it's making. It's pretty on the nose and hard to miss. You can see from that point, you know, everything that's going to happen. And I don't feel like the characters, as charming as their relationship is, but, you know, were deep enough, nor the aesthetic surprising enough to offset the the just straightforwardness of what this film's doing and what it's trying to do. It, that's what I mean when I say it was too restrained. It started to feel like I was never being shaken off course in a way that could really register an impression for me. Okay, on the matter of capitalism, I think this film actually had some really interesting insights. I liked that it dealt with the ideas of risk and reward, both from the perspectives of persons who aren't as well, persons who are very well. There are, there are, there are contrasting scenes where two sets of characters, uh, the main two and then another two, talk about uh, one in the in terms of advents of capitalism, making money, the other in terms of discipline, how risk and reward and capitalist ideals play out. I did like some of these philosophical musings earlier in the film, but I think there was a disconnect when the first half of the film was very much characters offering perspectives and the second half is very action-driven. It's fine. I don't mind either approach, but the conflict therein um, between the two um approaches to film and filmmaking, character development, I think take you out of the film. I agree to an extent that each of the characters on their own was an especially interesting, I will make an exception for the Toby Jones character. I really liked him yes. because in part because he's just such an exceptional actor. But for me, the he, best thing about the two main characters actually was the dynamic shared between them. They were well cast together. And I think that's why they were primarily cast. They do have a, a great dynamic together, but I'm with you that the Toby Jones just commands the frame whenever he's in it. He's so good, you know, I, um, but I, I don't know if it's just that he's such a master that he's able to invest a role that may be as thinly written as theirs with just so much more depth of character. I'm not sure. I don't mean to um, dismiss the, the main performances. They're good performances, but I feel like they exist more just kind of as symbols that help the story work than as fully fleshed out humans. I want to I get back to the, the central complaint that I have with the film, which is, 
this film feels as much like an A24 tenpole movie as yeah. any. And yeah. I love it, A24 blockbusters. Yeah, but I mean... Kelly Reichardt this summer. I mean, we used to we used to use that as a compliment because A24 has built a legacy kind of championing these kind of narratives which otherwise might not find a space. To be fair, Kelly Reichardt's been making films in a similar style to this from before A24 was Absolutely. the same. Absolutely. I, I agree. Great. But but at the same time, this this has less inventiveness, even from Reichardt's previous films. I mean, she's done parables on capitalism before in much more interesting ways. And the one thing which I find lacking, and it's interesting, the central conceit uh, of the, the animal, the, the cow in question, is not even used as interestingly as it could have been for a film that's titled First Cow. How so? Uh, it, it becomes... The cow uh, eventually is... Uh, doesn't feature in, in in a way that you're expecting it to be, and a lot of it becomes good. Something that surprises us, yeah, yeah. And that's just what we're complaining. Converse what we're complaining. We're mostly complaining about. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it becomes repetitive. Uh, there, there are certain there's a certain midpoint in the film where the film really drags, and you kind of feel like, okay, this is uh, it's reached a certain impasse where the it's characters f- have to keep doing the same thing. All it's a very over again. straightforward story. Yeah, it ends in the the most obvious way it can end. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to, before we get into the car, I'd just like to jump back to what I think, and it t- ties in what makes the characters' dynamics in this film most interesting. Toby Jones's character, it's very clear, he does not really want to be here. He he has uh, issues with his superiors, and this is much more, there's much more inherent conflict to that than two guys who aren't necessarily well off, but actually just kind of happy with a lot in life and Good where point. they are, which is why I like to, which is why I like Toby Jones. I know his role was, just, I think, a lot better written. The production design, um, the, the location, the way that it it's filmed um, is fantastic. Wouldn't it be great if it were used for a story about Toby Jones? I, w- I, w- I would have liked it. I would like to have known more about this character. Um, we're sadly, we only meet him at a later stage in the film. And in some of the best scenes, I loved the marketplace scenes. Um, I do have an issue with the production design. I Maybe it's the lack of establishing shots or just being conditioned in cinema to expect them. But just with um, the camera so tight in the environment, it did feel like the mise-en-scene of we're always in a film. And I think the... Uh, there's a lot of scenes where it's not like that, but certainly I think a lot of the framing draws attention to the fact that we are watching a film good versus to um, being so settled in the environment, which is what obviously Reichardt is otherwise trying to establish. I think it's possible that that's because of budget limitations and that wide shots aren't possible because they've only constructed the set in the parts that are going to be on camera and storyboarded it out because this is a pretty low budget production compared to films that would usually have something like a period appropriate fort settlement. However, I still felt like it looked real um, if, in what we see on camera, um, and um, it felt real. And that's also into the writing where we have dynamics going on like that between Toby Jones and his superiors. There was a good sense as well as um, watching the bartering going on involving the baked goods that become so central to the plot. Um, there's an interesting sense of the psychology um, and of the the struggle of finding your place and getting by in this kind of environment. So. And I just to return to Vrat's point about the cow and to that point too, I think this film really comes alive when it comes to the dynamics. The dynamic we haven't mentioned is the hilarious one between the main character and the cow. I do think it actually, I disagree. I do think it actually develops throughout the film. I think it's one of the entertaining things because we see in characters who rely on others. A lot of this film was about characters who in a very isolated place look to others to for comfort or support or just to talk to. And one of the best dynamics is one way, which the main character shares with the cow. And this actually comes back in a both hilarious way, but also a way that's very consequential to the plot later on. I'm not going to say what it is because it would constitute a spoiler, 
but um, it becomes real. It's not just a, oh, look at this guy hanging out with this cow. Um, it's more to that. So I actually enjoyed the way the cow, the title character, as it were, and it is a character, was deployed in this film. Yeah. Interesting. Do we like the opening, um, the framing device? You could call it a framing device, but it, you know, it's just there at the beginning. But did, did we like that, that prologue? Um, no, because that was one of the reasons why I felt that I could guess the movie and its trajectory. And the prologue was unnecessary because, I mean, it kind of, it's a nice way to tie it up. And from a screenplay point of view, I know. It doesn't actually tie it up altogether. And I liked it. They left it a little open. That's true. I, I will say that um, the prologue allowed for the film to end quite beautifully. I thought the final shot and the, the point that it chose to cut off was, was great. But I, but I agree that otherwise it does deflate it of tension. And when the storyline's already so straightforward and functioning as a, as a parable that, you know, you grasp fairly early on, I, w- I wonder, you know, if it's worth it. That said, I, I loved the shot of the ferry on moving across the river that you let us see the cow going down. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, now, now that we've actually seen First Cow, my recommendation for you guys is to watch a film called Jolly Katu, which was... India's uh, submission to the foreign language Oscars, which centers around a bull and the effect it has on the village members. It's a similar conceit, but done very differently. So it would be an interesting character study in a comparison yeah. point film. Okay. Um, I just, I, I do want to respond to Chris's question yeah. about the opening bit. I actually liked it. Um, we, we can say what it is because it's, it's in the it's first the opening, two, yeah, seven yeah, minutes. Um, Elia Shakart's character rocks up in what we believe is modern day, um, our contemporary setting, um, digs into a hole and finds bones. Two, yeah, two skeletons side by side. Yep. And we obviously, and then we flash back to the American frontier. And I liked that it implies that as is thematically and none too explicitly alluded to later that we're seeing a story and hearing a story that we otherwise wouldn't know. And certainly, and mm. a lot of the commentary in this film is about stories. And this is an era where many stories are recorded. Many stories won't be, weren't recorded. And I like to imagine that this or stories like that um, could have happened. It's a, it's a real integrity. It's, it's, it's an approach to storytelling that shows real integrity. And I think lends this film a sense of grandeur that otherwise wouldn't have a sense of place in time. I very much like the way that she just lets events play out to that, you know, to their conclusion. I like that in the way that in her editing, she lets the shots last maybe a second longer than they would in a, in a more conventionally edited film. So we can soak up the atmosphere a bit more. There's a lot I like about this film, but when I say that it's too restrained, I feel like just the very controlled slow cinema aesthetic combined with the very straightforward um, parable like plot to me gives it, it makes it all, you know, it's, there's enough going on that it doesn't become boring, but there's something boring about the way it's made to me after a bit. You know what would be perfect? And now I'm thinking about it. This would be a perfect 65 to 70 minute Hong Sang Su style movie. Like the woman who ran kind of thing. I I feel like you could cut. Yeah. You could cut 30 minutes of this film and probably make a better version. Um, But I mean, maybe some people really soak into the atmosphere and the slowness and and enjoy it on that level. But then here's the thing, the bits we're referring to that you could extensively cut are in the first act where it's quite slow and not a lot is going on. But then like, um, again, I'll uh, second reference to Malik this one, the run we, sorry, oh God, the film we saw earlier in the year, the set in Austria. Oh yeah. Um, Hidden life. Hidden life. And where you needed that opening act to establish this feeling of paradise and sense of place. And then as events start to play out, that it might be slipping away. And I didn't feel the rest of the film would have been as impactful had we not had that first 40 minutes of this. Right. Um, 
when the way you, you introduced this with a segue from the Oscars was interesting because in light of all this discourse about general public not caring about the art movies that are getting made anymore or the films with integrity or whatever we want to call them, stuff that isn't MCU, um, just in light of that, I kept thinking as I was watching this about like, man, what future is there for films like this and what point is there? Maybe that that's a really cynical, pointless thing to say, but... I, you know, I've been a fan of Kelly Reichardt in the past, but, you know, I'm looking for cinema to really reconnect with people right now. And looking at this, I was just thinking like, man, this is this is so niche. And but no, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point because on, on a brighter note, I feel uh, there is a US release of Mohamed Rasulov's new film, uh, which is going to happen, which is now under house arrest in Iran, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm glad that his film is going to get out there. He'd won the Berlinale uh, Golden Bear. Yeah. To be clear, I'm, I'm not against Russell Luff or Reichardt-style slow cinema things in general. It's just maybe I, I right Russell's now I'm films, looking for... I probably have a more human connection than Reichardt in that sense. Man of Integrity was great. Reichardt's films have, have human connection. Absolutely. I love the ending to Sen Woman. Right. Um, the, yeah, I don't know. I, I've, uh, I, I honestly think Meek's cutoff was a better frontier story from her than this one. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So that is First Cow. It is in cinemas now. Our Oscars coverage from last week is up on Spotify and anywhere where podcasts are, so please do subscribe. Um, the Geelong Pride Film Festival is currently screening online. Spanish Film Festivals in cinemas. Uh, the Silent Film Festivals on Sunday on Macquarie Street. And next Kino Sydney, I think it's Kino 157, is next Tuesday over at Sun Studios in Alexandria. We're going to be back next week with everyone together. Mortal Kombat! Not the oh. 90s one, but the uh, um, new one. Chris and I, uh, yeah, I, I'm yet to catch it. The others have. It's, it's uh, very bad. It'll just be one of those um, three snobby guys pick apart a movie discussions. But, um, you know. Scorpion wins. We'll cover something Sub-Zero. else. I think I think Cliff Walkers by Zhang Yimou looks like it's the most interesting other film coming out That's next true. week. So Also, The Disciple is on Netflix. So, yep. Uh, so, please stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Varat Nehru. Have a wonderful night. Stay safe. And, yeah, enjoy movies. Good night. <laughs>